Philadelphia. We're back. <laughs> Dave Costum here with Alex, AK47Cal. Philadelphia. What up, AK? Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm pumped to be back together. I know it's been a little bit since we have been back on the pod here on the Bank Statement talking Philadelphia sports, and I want to apologize for our fans for that. I, I think sometimes people realize that, you know, people forget to realize, excuse me, that we, you know, we got other jobs, we got other lives, like things are, it's tough to get back together consistently and it's something we're both working on. So I apologize to you guys. And I know that, you know, we're both really pumped to be back here together today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, Dave. And it's just good to be back talking what we talk best, which is Philly sports. You know, Dave and I uh, engage in a lot of different conversations and a lot of times, we don't know what we're talking about, but when we talk Philly sports, at least we passionately don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, and, and just for the viewers out there, this is take two on the podcast. We did make it about six and a half minutes into take one until Dave said Darrell Morey, uh, and he couldn't get over that. So he made us re-record. I thought it was great, but I figured I, everybody should know that Dave uh, used the term Darrell Morey. I, I think that's more than fair, especially considering the fact that we pride ourselves on being a off-the-cuff podcast. It's our style. Um, yeah, I said Darrell. I really did. I don't know why. It's Daryl Morey, and um, I just started laughing. It was great afterwards, and it's been a couple months of great Philadelphia sports. I mean, the Flyers back when we were recording before, they were in the big playoff run. You know, obviously things didn't really work out there. They got a bright future ahead. Mm-hmm. The Phillies, I mean, I think we should just leave them be. I think it's where they deserve to be. They, they're just laughing sound in the city right now. You look at the Eagles, the Eagles got, you know, their first place in the division. Carson Wentz not playing up to par, not playing up to standard, not playing up to 2017 Carson Wentz. Got Brett Favre saying they'd rather keep Nick Foles, the whole bit. And then you look at the Sixers, a team that I feel like we're slowly building this podcast around in a lot of ways. Ended the season on what is probably the worst low we could have imagined. I was alright. You were livid. It was a mess. Hired Doc Rivers. What's up, Doc? Daryl Morey. Hey, there it is. Sam Cassell, the mm-hmm. rest of the coaching staff. Like, this team has gotten us excited again. Mm-hmm. What's your take? I mean, all good things. I think the last pod we had, we said it loud and clear. And I know everybody out there listening has been hanging on every word that we said in the last pod for the last four months. And we said, we need change in the front office. What did we just get? Change in the front office. Change in the front office. We got the Real Mori in here, man. We're we're ready to roll. We're ready to make the personnel moves that we need. We got new jerseys that we don't love. We don't love, we don't hate. Which we'll talk about. We We don't hate. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it, but it's a good day, man. It's it's an optimistic day. We, We came off a season where we really felt like, where do we go from here and now? The tune has changed. We're going to talk about a couple things here on the pod today. In honor of Doc Rivers, we're going to talk about best and worst coaching hires in Philadelphia sports. Um, In honor of the Sixers jerseys, new releases, we're going to talk about best and worst jersey releases in Philadelphia sports. Um, And we can extend that a little bit to sports in general, just with a lot of the new releases that are going on out Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. And with the emergence of Travis Fulgham and a lot of the young Sixers, Eagles, wideouts, and other young uh, position players out there, we're going to talk about some of the young breakout players that we didn't expect to break out in uh, sports in general, especially in Philadelphia, that we were, you know, pleased that broke out in in the fashion that Travis Fulgham has, because I think the Eagles 
while they deserve criticism for cutting him earlier, they also certainly deserve credit for bringing him back because that guy is balling right now and he's he one will of the best have a career in football. Yeah. I mean, it's for sure have a career. It's will he keep this pace up, right? So I guess we'll start with number one. If you look at the Sixers right now, Doc Rivers, I think we both love the hire. What's um, up, Doc? You mentioned the the Instagram. You mentioned the Instagram where we looked at him stepping over to Ron Liu and that whole bit. And, you know, when you look at that compared to what we could have got with Teron Liu, you feel good about Doc? I feel great about Doc. And what Dave is referencing is actually a, a short conversation we had on the last take of the podcast uh, when Dave said Darrell Morey. But uh, we did talk a little bit about the second that the Doc news came out, one of the best things that the Internet came out with. And the Internet comes out with a lot of great stuff. Uh, but that, that Doc Rivers photoshopped on AI's body stepping over Tyron Liu because we thought we were getting him. We thought we were going for the Liu, and we got the Doc, and it, it was a great day when that happened. And uh, I, I think it's nothing but good stuff, man. I think he's the right guy to balance being a player's coach while also being able to take a bunch of young people and turn them into the next phase of their career. Uh, on top of that, you add Maury. Uh, and now it's just a wait and see game on what we do with this roster. There are trade rumors floating around like crazy right now. Um, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if there, anything's going to happen before this season? We have the draft coming up. Maybe some draft night trades take place. But regardless, that's what it's all about. We have a sense of excitement now that things will take place. We know what we need to do, but we're also in a lot more of a, uh, of a position of comfort and patience now than we were uh, the last time we recorded this pod. Absolutely. So looking at our topic of the day for the Sixers, who's the best coaching hire they've had, in your opinion? Who's the least attractive coaching well, hire? Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Because we're, we're, when we talked last time, we talked about the process. Yeah. And we talked about all of the buildup only to get swept, only to be in a position of where do we go from here? Yeah. So I think if we look at the process, we, we, we pay homage to Brett Brown, and, and the years that he gave us. But you also have to think of the other coaches. And when I think of the process, everybody thinks of when Hinky came on board. But I think of every season from 2002 onward is where it really started. And you talk about the tail end of Larry Brown and every coach from there on out. So my question to you, Dave, is who is the worst coach that coached the Sixers from 2002 to 2020? Tony DeLeo. Wow. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Yeah. Tony D, tell me more. I mean, Tony DeLeo had to have been one of the most underqualified coaches to ever coach in the NBA. I mean, he came in, Mo Cheeks got fired, went 9-14 and 14 that season. Tony DeLeo comes in, and he just was a mess, man. He just really was not a good coach. He had no business being in the NBA. He was the general manager beforehand. He said, okay, well, why don't I coach the team? And they just sucked. They were horrific with Tony DeLeo. Um, and it, I think he's just one of the worst coaches in NBA history. I think he had no business being a coach. And he's a South Jersey guy, Sidney Minson guy. I, I just think he has no business being an NBA coach. What was your least favorite thing about the way Tony DeLeo coached the Sixers? <laughs> I mean, dude, the guy had no constant rotation. Tony like, <laughs> DeLeo did have horrible rotations. When you look at Tony DeLeo, he literally was like, we got to start. He's coaching the guy play 2K. 
Coming. He coaches like a halfway 2K. He's like, I have no clue. I got a certain number of good players. I have a certain number of players that can't play. And Mo Cheeks went 9-14. and 14. I'm going to just put my guys out there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Let's play street ball. He had no plan going into any games. He had no rotation. He had nothing. He was a bum. And he had no business being the coach of Sixers. You could talk about guys like Randy Ayers, you know, other guys like that. Randy Ayers had a successful coaching career and coaching pedigree before he came to Sixers. Well, that's the beautiful thing about all the coaches during the process is a lot of them had decent resumes prior to being the head coach of the Sixers. And I don't think any of them have any resume post coaching the Sixers. I mean, but Randy Ayers, though, he was a good coach with the Wizards. He had a couple good seasons. I mean, was that good- Randy Ayers or Eddie Jordan? I was Eddie Jordan. That was a good point. I was Eddie Jordan. Good point, Adam. I was Eddie Jordan. I was Eddie Jordan. I was Eddie Jordan. But similar. I mean, they had horrific (laughs) experiences with the Sixers. Mm -hmm. They did. I mean, and look, Eddie Jordan, that was a good point because he he coached the Wizards to, I think, their full potential. I really think he did that. And I didn't hate when he was a coach Sixers when he first started there. Fast forward a year and a half, he had no plan either. It was horrific. He didn't know. Same with Tony Leo. They did not know how to coach mediocre to above average to below average players into being good basketball players into being a good basketball team. Right. And I think when you look at guys like Mo Cheeks, you look at guys like Doug Collins, those guys in the process. Chris Ford. <laughs> Chris Ford, man. Ooh. That's another another beauty. I think some of those guys did in a way that Tony Leal just did not he did not um, encompass the Philadelphia fan in the way that I think we would like to be encompassed. I, uh, I got to agree with you. You know, Cinnamonson guy, South Jersey guy came in and his rotations were trash. And that was the big thing. But you just made me spark another question that I want to ask. What's up? What is the most hyped you have been in the past 20 years about a move the Sixers have made? You were hyped in the moment. And then it turned out to be a dud. 20 years? When they traded for Chris Weber. I was so pumped when they traded for Chris Weber. I mean, dude, the Sixers are out here. They got AI. They have a little bit of a foundation. And the whole knock was they don't have a B to go to the A of AI, right? Mm-hmm. That was the whole bit. It was similar to the Eagles. We had, we had AI, we had McNabb. AI, McNabb. McNabb had no weapons. AI had no supplementary pieces. And Chris, Chris Weber at the time was a star. He was a great basketball player. You know, I love that Kings team. You had Chris Weber, you had Doug Christie, you had, you know, that whole squad. Mike Bibby, South Jersey guy. Paige Astoriakovich, whole squad. Bobby Jackson. Whole squad. Vladi Diva. Vladi. And you get the best player, arguably, of that whole team in a trade to come to Philadelphia and be the complimentary player that AI has always needed. And it completely flopped. Completely flopped. That was probably the move I was most excited about with the Sixers in the past 20 years. You know, mine was uh, number two overall draft pick, Evan Turner. I was pumped. I was pumped. Evan Turner, three three or four-year guy at Ohio State, I think three-year guy, player of the year at Ohio State. And that was where John Wall went number one. And I was saying to myself, I'm glad we got number two. Yeah, because it makes Evan Turner an easy pick, and he's the best guy. At least that way, you don't got the number one, and you got to yeah. make that decision: John Wall or Evan Turner. Bad call, bad call. Who would you take instead? Oh, 
Let's pull up the draft. I'll pull it up right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's your most disappointing thing about Evan Turner while I pull this up? I didn't realize what his voice sounded like until we (laughs) drafted him. And that was a big bummer. (laughs) That was a big bummer for me. I didn't didn't know that we were about to take Evan Turner. Wow, okay. Yeah, I've been working on that. That was pretty good. (laughs) That was a pretty good Evan Turner out of you. Yeah, that was not a good pick. And I know our listeners out there are saying to themselves, well, there's a bunch of guys I can think of. Cousins, I think, went that year. We're looking at the top ten right now. We got John Wall. I got to tell you, this draft's not very good. I mean, there are three guys in here post-Evan Turner pick that are solid players. There are. Four, actually, that I would say. Okay, who's your? Let's rank him in order. So we got John Wall. Let's redraft this draft class. Let's do this right here. John right Wall's going number one. No matter what, on this on this squad right here. All right, so we got here's the top ten. We'll let you guys, listeners, decide as well at home. This is in order of how they went. John Wall, point guard, Kentucky. Evan Turner, shooting guard, Ohio State. Devin Derek, Derek Favors out of Georgia Tech. Demarcus Cousins out of Kentucky. Greg Monroe, Georgetown. Made his way over here. Paul George, Fresno State. Wesley Johnson, Syracuse. Gordon Hayward, Butler. Al Farouk Aminu, great NBA career. If you look at his career and where he's gone. Wake Forest, Ed Davis, North Carolina. Let's redraft this draft class. I mean, you're going number one. You're going PG. Okay. You got to go PG. Then I think you go Boogie. Then I think you go John Wall. Then I think you go go Boogie over John Wall. See, I disagree with you there. That's a tough pick. That's a tough pick either way. I take John Wall over Boogie. Boogie's Boogie's been good on bad teams. He hasn't done shit on good teams. I mean, John Wall's been good on bad teams. John Wall's also been a transcendent NBA player, though. Boogie hasn't? I don't think so. Okay. He's been a good player. I like Boogie. Would you rather have Gordon Hayward than Boogie? It's tough. Injuries across the board with these guys. I'd probably take Boogie if I had to redraft. i go Boogie three. You go Boogie three, Gordon four. You know what's crazy about this draft? If you look a little bit down, you got guys like Eric Bledsoe, Avery Bradley, you know, guys that have played Quincy Pondexter. I thought he was old. I didn't realize he was in this draft class. Guys that have made good NBA careers slid down to the later parts of that first round. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to see. Very interesting. You know, it's a, it's a bad draft class overall. I think it's tough to look past, really, the first couple guys because you could probably put, as bad as he is, Evan Turner's probably the fifth-best player in that – or sixth-best player no, in the draft not. class. No, he is not. Let's look at it. Who's better? Give me six guys. Six guys better than Evan Turner in this draft class. Yeah, give me him. John Boogie Wall, okay. Boogie Cousins, okay. Gordon Hayward, okay. Paul George, okay. Eric Bledsoe. Okay. Give me a sixth guy. Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders out of the NBA right now. Doesn't matter. Better player. Evan Turner's not. Avery Bradley. Better player. I don't think so. I think Evan Turner's a better player than both those guys. I think we don't think so because of where he was drafted. If Evan Turner was drafted in 20 or number 19 or, you know, number 26 to the Thunder or something like that, we would not be looking at him with the same expectations that we do with Larry Sanders, Avery Bradley. Well, I think that's that defeats the purpose of your question then. You just asked for people better than Evan Turner just because I'm naming guys lower. I don't make think those worse. guys are better than Evan Turner. Let's look it up. 
Let's look at what? You're going to type in who's better, Larry Sanders or Evan no, Turner? I'm looking, I'm looking up Larry Sanders. I think Larry Sanders has been out of the NBA for a couple of years. Yeah, he, he, picked, he picked a different road. He went a different way. He made the decision. Doesn't mean he wasn't better when he played. I mean, longevity is a thing. You can't just not look at a player for the longevity in the NBA. Like, let's look at Larry Sanders. He played one, two, three, four, six NBA seasons, right? Yeah. Looks like it, yeah. Okay. His best season, they made the playoffs here in 2013. Here we go. Give me a sec. He started 55 of those 71 games. Ten points a game. It's pretty good. Nine point eight points per game. Larry Sanders, his okay. best season. Okay. You're not looking for Larry to get a bunch Three of points. Three blocks. That's great. Cool. And ten boards. Ten and ten. Not bad. He's a ten and ten guy. All right. Let's look up. Uh, Et. Our boy Evan Turner. Pardon us here on the pod. We're we're doing some live research on the air right now, just based on where the uh, we don't have the a research guy. Taking us, we don't have a research guy at all. Evan Turner, right off the bat, has played significant amount of more NBA seasons. He's got one, two, three. Let me ask you this: Did you know Evan Turner was on Atlanta last year? I did actually. I didn't know what his numbers were, but I did. He averaged three point so three let's, points. Let's look at his best season. It was Philadelphia twenty thirteen fourteen. A 17 points per game. It's pretty good. 17 and six. 17, six, and four is essentially what Evan Turner was in his best season in the NBA. You know, I mean, look, I'm not saying he's that much better, but when you look at the longevity of his career, I would say he's the sixth best player in that draft class. And at bet at worst, excuse me, it's arguable. At worst, you can make the case for either guy. So in the past 15 years, who would you consider the worst draft pick by the Sixers? Marco Fultz. Okay. That was a dumb question. That was an easy answer. You could say it is because it's obvious because he was number one, but Marco Fultz set the franchise back 10 years. Yeah, Marco Fultz is uh, by far and beyond – uh, he surpassed very quickly my least favorite player of all time, who was once Andrew Bynum and is now Markel Fultz. So who's your least favorite? Draft pick of all time? Sixers, yep. Yeah, Markel Fultz. Okay. Um, ok- Okafor wasn't very good. So I'll, I'll give him a nod for not a good pick. The thing is with Okafor, too, like Okafor was drafted third overall. Like that's, that's the big piece with Okafor people don't realize. People hate on Markel Fultz. Okafor was drafted so early in that draft class. Like, he really screwed over that franchise in a lot of different ways. I'd be curious to see who else was in his draft class and kind of redo that. I feel like that was a good one. Look it up. Hey, research man, could you look that up, please? <laughs> Brody, what you got? Wait on Brody right here. All right, here we go with the uh, – yeah, this is crazy. Porzingis. The pick right after Okafor. But you know what's crazy about all of these draft classes? There's some players in this it's, draft. It's a four. It's a four-man draft class, though. Miles Turner, number eleven. Devin Booker, number thirteen. Kelly yeah. Oubre, fifteen. Booker. Terry Rozier, sixteen. Come on. I mean, Booker. Bobby Portis, twenty-two. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, twenty-three. Larry Nance, twenty-seven. Could you imagine if they take steps? 
But see, here's the thing. If they take Stapps, do they take Joel Embiid? Yeah. That's a sick one-two combo. So let me ask you a question because we're in a time right now, and I'll transition a little bit to the Eagles with this question. You look at guys like Jolly Locafor, you look at guys like <laughs> Markel Fultz, you look at those types of players that were drafted really high, did not produce at all. And then you look at guys like Carson Wentz and, and players like that. Who are, who's like the top five player in Philadelphia that you're like, man, Philly gave them a pass. What do you like, mean? Philly was not as hard on this player as it should have been. And then we'll go vice versa after. Guys that like Philly was harder on this player than it should have been. Difficult question. Not as hard as we should have been? I don't think we were as hard as we should have been on Iguodala back in the day. <laughs> That's crazy. I have him on my other list. Oh, no. I don't think we were as hard as we should have been on Iguodala. Iguodala took over the team when AI left, and he was butt cheeks. I mean, yeah, he was, but he also had no one around him. And the minute you put somebody around him, he's a finals MVP. Yeah, but he's not anywhere close to the best player on those teams. He was the best player on our team. And I remember that year he didn't make the all-star team. That's I think his quote. I think his quote when he didn't make the all-star team was sometimes guys who should be in just don't happen to make it in. And I'm sitting there as a Sixers fan going, wait, you thought you should have made the team? For real? We, there's some guys you expect too much out of, and they can't deliver that. That's Iguodala. Yeah, that's why I don't think we gave him enough hard, hard enough time. And you, no, I disagree with that completely. What are you going to give him a hard time for not being what he was? I'm going to give him a hard time for for him thinking he was he was, and for him his perception of who he was versus what. What he do you want his perception of himself to be? Every player that goes on the court should think he's the best player on the court. Every player that goes out on the court should think I deserve the ball all the time. You think so? I mean, not all the time, but I deserve the ball. I can make a difference. I can play ball. Right. And when you're Andre Iguodala, you're a borderline all-star. You have to have the mentality of I am capable of being the best player on the court until you got a guy that's blatantly better than you. Like Steph Curry. Like Steph is blatantly better than him. So he's like, all right, cool. Okay, I'll give up my shots. I'll be, I'll defer to Steph Curry. Dwayne Wade, much better player than Andre Iguodala, one of my favorite players in NBA history. I'll defer to LeBron James. He was not deferring to Udonis Haslam. He was not deferring to other guys like that. He's deferring to LeBron James. So when you have a guy like, you know, Andre Iguodala, what's he supposed to do, man? He had nobody else on that team. That team sucked. And he was expected to come in and be the next AI. So and he was not answer? that guy. Who's your guy then? Guys we let slide. You know, there's a number of different guys. I think it's tough. I think Claude Giroux is on that list. You think we need to be tougher on the Claude? I think we need to be tougher on Claude Giroux. I really, really do. I think a guy like Reese Hoskins is on that list right now. Yeah, Reese had a real bad season. I think Reese Hoskins is a guy that we are way too soft on. I think Nick Foles is a guy that Philadelphia is way too soft on. All right, that's sacrilegious. Chill out with that. I love Nick Foles. I do. But Nick Foles is a guy that can do no wrong in the city. And, you know, he's done a lot of wrong. No, he hasn't. He did two right games. Okay. He played the best. That's all he did more than that because he did the next season too. But two right games when it's the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship are, are, are more than you ever need. 
I'm not saying I don't love the guy, but by the same token, Carson Wentz was, you know, the MVP of the league that year. He should have been, regardless of what happened. Which is all the more reason you should love Nick Foles. I love Nick Foles. This isn't about not loving Nick Foles. We should have been harder on Nick Foles. How is a guy that went 27-2 and two, capable of winning Super MVP, he can have a shit year, and the entire fan base is like, it's cool. It doesn't matter. When did he have a shit year? Every other year. No, he didn't. He couldn't even start the next year. He couldn't that start was the- our choice. Because he came back in and he the balled. The following two years, he didn't ball. Yeah, he did. I would take Nick Foles on this Eagles team today, all day, every day. Over I want him back Wentz? tomorrow. Nick, no, I love no. you, man. Please come back. I'm out. You're out? I'm out. Oh, bummer. He's a mediocre quarterback, and I'm so thankful oh, for what no, he's, he's done. No, he's not. He's so good. I'm so thankful for what he's done, <laughs> he's man. He's so good. I'm not with Brett Favre on this. Like, I think Nick Foles got to pass a little bit. I Mm-mm. really, really do think so. Mm-mm. Nick Foles does, should never buy anything for you know who else you know who else gets a pass in philadelphia they shouldn't who the entire 2009 philadelphia phillies team the entire 2009 oh man oh nine ten eleven twelve that whole squad they get a giant pass how the hell did they not win more than one championship i don't know they were a way better team in 09 than they were in 08 but we didn't have dh ben francisco ruined us that year Look, I, all I know is that whole team, that whole four-year span, they get a pass. What am I at, four? I don't think, who's the fifth person in Philadelphia sports that gets a pass? Hmm. I think we give AI a pass for his return to Philly at the end of his career. He wasn't that good. Well, he was, he was, <laughs> he was horrible then. He, yeah, I mean, we didn't expect much. I just wanted to put the jersey on, you know? Like, yeah. welcome back, and now yeah. they've overkilled that. Oh. You know... It's tough. Um, I'm going to go. It's tough. I, it really is tough. It's Come tough. back to it. Okay. Come back to it. Okay. Well, you mentioned something. There's uh, a couple guys. Like... You know what? I had a couple guys in my mind, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It would be a little sacrilegious to call them out. They should not be called out. Don't call them out then. Well, good filter out of you just now. But you did mention that you wanted AI back to put the jersey on. And speaking of jerseys, the Boathouse Row jerseys have just been released. Yeah, released. There's a little TTP in there. All right. Yeah. They have some great advertising around it. Really nice release with Ben Simmons as the poster boy accompanied by AI. Shout out to StubHub. Shout out StubHub, shout out Fanatics for the jerseys they're about to push. First of all, first question, thoughts on the jersey? Eh. 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 Yeah. My thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Eh. Great concept, dude. I was hyping this up for days. I was texting you like, Boathouse Row, here we go. It's going to be sick. It's going to be like Denver. Nah. Nah. The Philadelphia thing looks like they made off uh, word art, the, the font on the Philadelphia piece. Black's cool. I'm in on the black. I, I almost wish they just went traditional old school AI jerseys. You know what I also don't like? Can we stop bringing back AI and Brian Dawkins into the mix? You think like, we're overdoing it? We are. We're making them look like – I don't think it was you that said this. I think it was nobody that said this. No, it was me. That was you that said this? Yeah. Yeah, you, you texted me one of the best things ever. We make these guys look like high school dudes that miss their playing days and wish they made it to the NFL or college or whatever. And it's like it's sad. 
Yeah, we're overdoing it. Like AI was on the cover. It was iconic. Don't put him back on the cover wearing the wrong number jersey. 25. Yeah, like that's that's we don't need that, man. We need new wave shit. That's what we need. We need Ben Simmons to be the new AI. We don't need AI to be what Ben Simmons is. Like that's it's wild. I don't I don't like that. Yeah, it is kind of wild, though. It just shows how awesome AI is. I mean, that dude will go, you know, it, it was funny the first time in a while where he came back and the crowd erupted with a standing O. And then he started coming to pretty much every game and they still kept doing it. Well, they bring him back every time they want the fans to get excited. They have I a get bad excited. team. They bring AI back. I know. I do, too. I love them. But you're going you're gonna to overkill it. You think so? All right, so then I'm with, you. I'm with you. I think that the Boathouse Road jerseys, they were a big swing and they're a little bit of a miss, you know, hit, hit a dribbler down to the pitcher. What's the worst jersey in Philly sports? I mean, the worst jersey ever is that Eagles yellow and blue jersey back when they played the Lions. What's that, 06? Something like that? I don't know, but I know the jersey, yeah. That jersey's awful. It's like the Swedish national jersey. Yeah, that's the worst jersey. Yeah, that jersey stinks. Uh, the second worst jersey, I think, is a Sixers red jersey. I don't love that jersey. The current one or the one? All of them. The current one mainly. Every like, red jersey. The I don't like the Sixers one. red jerseys. I don't think they're good. What's your thought? Um, that Eagles jersey is pretty bad. I think the Kelly Green Eagles jersey, and you can hate me all you want, it's an overrated jersey. I don't disagree it's overrated, but it does not belong in the worst jersey conversation. Um, you could go almost – you know what? The Sixers' current home and away jerseys are not great. Their alternate ones are awesome. What the alternate script, that cream jersey. Yeah, those like, are sweet. Those and the are retro sweet. one with the red fila. Yeah. That's those the red are, jersey? Yeah. Well, it's a white jersey, but it's got the red fila. Mm-hmm. I got the uh, Ben Simmons jersey of that right now. It's a great jersey. But their home and away jerseys suck. And their alternate like jerseys, like I, I hate them. I don't like them at all. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think the uh, Flyers jerseys, they got a lot of ugly ones. Um, but They're all classics, though. I guess. Yeah, hockey jerseys are a different kind of you swag. Know, you know what jersey I hate? I've always hated this jersey. What? I love all their other jerseys. Too. The Phillies, gray jerseys, away. What? I do not like the Phillies away jersey. I love their home. I love their alternate. I love the powder blue. I love Are you just spray, talking just to talk, room. or what? What do you not like about it? No, it's well, a good jersey, right it there. It doesn't look good on TV. It sounds weird. It doesn't look good on TV. You watch the Phillies in Miami. It's dingy. It's dark. The jersey doesn't look great. Like, it's just I just don't like it. I don't know. It just doesn't look that great. It doesn't pop. All right, what's the best jersey in Philly sports history? History. History. Wow. Um, I say, I say you take those AI Day Sixers jerseys, the blue one. I I think I have a McDonald's bobblehead with that AI, with that blue jersey on. When they, you used to go to McDonald's and it was white, black, or blue, whatever one they gave you. And I kept going until I got the blue. The blue was the nicest one. It's a Phillies jersey. The Phillies jersey. Phillies got the best jerseys in the sports. Red pinstripes? The red pinstripes, but not the current. The maroon with that old school P. With the baby, with the powder blue? No. Well, those two, but the white ones, the white red pinstripe, but it's like the maroon red pinstripe. You know, they were as alternates the other day. Here, I'll pull it up. Yeah, show, show the fans. Let's see, what, let's see what the fans think. 
There it is right there. For everybody out there watching, what do you guys think? <laughs> For all you guys at home. I mean, these are pretty swaggy too. Uh, they don't, did I Google the wrong thing? It's Maybe. this, it's this pattern right here. Yeah, scroll up. You got it right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best jerseys ever right here. All right, the white with the red pinstripes, maroon, yeah. I guess it is. Philly's maroon pinstripe. I think these jerseys are badass, dude. I think they're so cool. Jim Bunning wore them, apparently. I think those are the jerseys that are the, the best. These the the problem with the NBA and why it's so easy to talk jerseys with them is because they're coming out with new ones every year. Yeah, it's and almost, if you're coming it's, out with a new one every year, it's going to be hard to keep, keep hitting every time. It's collegiate, man. Yeah. It's collegiate in my mind. Like, you can't keep going New Jersey every single year. Like, Well, that's part of the NBA. Every team's get the – what do they call it? It's the, college. City edition. City edition. It's college. Last well, year's city edition you know what I hate? You know what I hate? I, I thought this during the playoffs this year. I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm very much a purist when it comes to professional sports. When you have the Lakers in the finals and they're not wearing just their home and away jerseys, they're wearing the black jerseys. Those are the mama jerseys. I understand that, but you don't wear an alternate jersey in the finals. I don't care whose jersey it is. Wow. See, now, now you're going too far, dude. Now you're going too far. Now you're speaking down on the mama. Those jerseys served a purpose, man. Those, I love, those I love the purpose. I get it. That's, that like, was a different Lakers team trying to make a name for themselves, and it worked. Those jerseys were powerful. I mean, they lost. They lost the punching game in the finals. Yeah, that's the only game they were lost in those, though. And that you know that gave them more motivation. I understand it, but I'm also like, you're in the playoffs. Wear your home and away jerseys. You don't wear alternate jerseys in the playoffs. Like that's every sport knows that. I've always had a theory that every city should have the same colors across all, all sports. Yeah, I like that. Like Pittsburgh. I do like that with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Every city should do that. You should have colors that are set it's to cool. the city. It is cool. That's the way it should be. Philly's all over. We got green on one team. We got orange and black on another. We got red and white on one. We got red, white, and blue on another. We need to cut. We need to find our lane and stick to it. Four sports all the way across. Yeah, but every city's all over the place too. You got Boston. Boston got red, white, and blue. They got so they got to pick. I mean, they do. They got to pick and they got to stick. Yeah, but if they pick, what if we pick the same thing? Well, there's a draft. <laughs> there's a draft, right? You you got a whole lineup for this, huh? We're red, white, and blue, and the only place that should compete with that is D.C. Boston's but you know what? D.C. There. hasn't earned it. We get first pick over D.C. Boston's, Boston's up there. Boston wouldn't go red, white, and blue. D.C.'s won as many chips as we have in the past couple of years. No, they have not. Nats. They won a hockey. That's it. And the next. Oh, yeah, they won a baseball, too. Same yeah, they won us. more than we us. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah, they won more than us. And the yeah. Nats and the Caps are red, white, and blue, too. So maybe they get it. Okay. Yeah, Nats, Caps. I mean, you know. So we'll go midnight green. It's an interesting teams. thing. It's an interesting thing. What are you most excited for right now in Philly sports? Um, I'm excited for the roster moves to shake out for the Sixers, even if that doesn't take place prior to opening day. Even if this next season is not the money season, I have optimism for the next three to five years. So Sixers roll out, same squad, same starting five, rolling into next year, right? You look at that. Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. You're fired up? Um, no, but again, I'm not fired up off that roster because I know that's not the roster, but I also know that we know as an organization that that's not the roster. And that's what fires me up is I think it's not – we're not sitting here trying to pretend that Doc Rivers is the guy that's going to take the current team and put them over the hump. 
we've got all the right pieces in place. So even if that means we can't make the decisions right away, that's a good thing. We shouldn't have to force it. You're not going to have Darrell just force it just to force it. You know, if we can get some pieces for a Josh Richardson, if there's something we can do with this Al Horford contract, that's what fires me up. So I'm all in on the Sixers. And I will give the Eagles a little bit of love. In the beginning, I didn't want the Eagles to win. It's a bad division. I don't want them to win the division and be that team that's just going to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. But you know what? There's so much time left in the season that there's some moves the Eagles can make and they're in a privileged position to do so. You know, that roster can come together. Something can happen there. So I'm a little bit optimistic about them. We got a big game against the Giants. I want to see them win that game by 21 points. Let's, let's end this pod going Eagles schedule down the, uh, down the line right now. Because you know what? I agree with you. When you look at the Eagles, they're a team that is getting healthy to me at the right time, right? They got a quarterback that's been underperforming, um, and they got a team that's getting healthy. And I think I believe in that quarterback. I know everybody in the city for the most part has as well. And they've really, really just been a letdown. So they are three, four, and one right now. Are Let's they? go. Are you sure about that? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Let's go game by game down these next of them, and let's go win or loss. Win or loss. Eagles, Giants at Giants. Win. Eagles. We're four, four, and one. Eagles, Browns at Browns. Actually, I'm up at that Browns. Win. Yeah, it's at Browns. Win. Wow, so you think this team can win one, two, three, four in a row? Yeah. That's where I struggle. I was talking to my buddies about this the other day. I don't think they're good enough to win four in a row. I it's do. a must-win game for them. Off the bye, it's really two in a row. It's not really two in a yeah, row, though. It's four, it's four NFL games in a row. Yeah, I still say they got it. All right, I'll say you're right. Five, four, and one. Seahawks. Big L. Five, five, and one. Packers. Big L. Five, six, and one. Saints. Big L. Five, seven, and one. Cardinals. Small L. Five, eight, and one. Cowboys. Win. Six, nine, and one. Eight. Six, eight, and one. Six, eight, and one. Yep. Washington. Oof. That's an L. You got them going six, nine, and one? Yeah. Winning the division? Yep. See, they. <sighs> what do you think, Dave? All right, I'm going to revise this. I got him winning against the Giants. I'm going to go loss against the Browns. I got him splitting Seahawks-Packers, beating the Saints, beating the Cardinals. You're out of your mind. Beating the Cowboys. Lose, lose to Washington. Yeah, we both agree. Washington's the better team. I don't think they're the better team. I think we just lose to Washington. So we got one, two... I got three losses the rest of the way. All right. And, and you know what? If that's not the case, that's me being optimistic a little bit. If that's not the case, this team sucks. And that, that is what it is. Yeah, the other teams suck worse, though, and that's what's cool. That <laughs> is what's cool. Anything else you want to say to the people? No, I just – we got a, a dog that needs to get taken out in the back here. You know, uh, life is a little bit of a different pace than it was the last time we recorded this pod. Uh, but I appreciate our listeners. Shout out to – all of you guys. Love you guys. It's been it's been real. This probably wasn't our crispest pod. No, probably the worst, actually. But it was fun. I, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. My Love mom's calling, so I'm going to take this. Shout out, mom. <laughs>